Welcome back to uh, our 12 Monkeys after show, splintering back. Um, it's it's uh, another crazy episode, picking up where we started uh, last week, uh, but with not without a uh, little uh, narration from, from Cassie. But before we get into that, uh, let me introduce you to myself. I'm Pacing Pete. Along with me, uh, she's from the Flash Podcast, the Marvel Report, and Comic Book Resources, Miss Lauren Galloway. Hey, Pete. How's it going? Uh, it's going well. Um, I'm, I'm trying to digest everything I just saw with, uh, with Episode 2 Primaries, which uh, really is starting to open up things for this 12 Monkeys universe and, and showing us more than... I feel like we've learned a lot through the first season and, this, and the last two episodes, and, and it's just... It's, it's, it's like opening up even more. It's just huge umbrella that just keeps expanding. Um, you know, I, and I mentioned, you know, starting off, uh, talking about, uh, Cassie's narration, you know, we didn't necessarily jump right back into, um, the, the standoff between her and Cole, uh, and, and, tr- and her trying to shoot Jennifer who has the virus in hand. Um, what did you think of the narration, how she does explain, uh, what's, what has happened to her, how, she, how the last eight months in 2044, went with her and how she adapted to a new life and, and how we see her uh, in the season. Yeah, you know, I really enjoyed that it opened with Cassie's narration. And I think she says almost the same thing that James Cole said in season one, which is the, like, where are you right now? Are you with someone you love? I really enjoy that about the series that it it just, it pays such a tribute to itself in connecting the dots between characters and between timelines, which I think is really intelligent storytelling. And so it was cool to see her perspective. The one thing I didn't quite understand, she she tried to say like not every caterpillar becomes a butterfly. And I Mm -hmm. think, I think that's how Cassie sees herself. Like she is really surprised at the person that she's become under kind of Deacon's tutelage and and having to live in this like post-apocalyptic society. But like for me, I just feel like she hasn't fully emerged out of her cocoon yet. Like I think Cassie is still developing and I'm hoping that by the end of the season, she's like a fully integrated person. Like she is her doctor self who loves people who loves Cole, like who's fighting for humanity, like not just people, but like the, like the spirit of humanity, which is like mercy and kindness. Like, I hope that that part of herself from season one, like merges with the kind of intense, um, like fighting, not ruthless, but just like the person that she's become. I kind of hope that we see, we see the full butterfly by the end of the season. Oh, that's a good way to look at it because if you think about it, she is she you know even though she says not every caterpillar becomes a butterfly, um, which is a good line by the way. Um, you know she uh, we we're just seeing her kind of these beginning stages. You know it's only been eight months that have passed and and she's begun this transformation into this this new Cassie. But by the end of the season, we could see a completely you know fully formed version of her that has been through all these you know that splintered to 2044 and now she's back in 2016 and we don't even really know what lies ahead for her character and and her you know we 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 see now that she has formed some sort of alliance with with deacon um you know and and you know seeing how that how that works out as well as um her and cole which you know we'll get to in a little bit how how they talk come at the end they 
kind of come to a to a brief truce um, about their relationship. Uh, but let's get into how you know the episode uh, following the narration. We see um, Cassie, and and you know she's just you know she's she's ready to shoot Jennifer. You know it's like we talked about last week how you know it seems that Cole has matured from uh, you know wanting to shoot people and thinking that is pretty much how the timeline is going to be saved. And, 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 you know, and, and he's trying to almost, you know, stop Cassie from making the mistake that he thought, you know, that he made. Um, you know, what did you think of that whole scene? And then, and then Ramsey coming and, and pretty much saving the, the day. Yeah. I mean, in the very first episode of season one, the pilot, Cole shoots Leland Goins without hesitation. I mean, his his perspective on the world is very binary. It's very black and white. You're either good or you're bad. You know, you're either going to help the cure, like in terms of Cassie, or you are a part of the plague and you have to die. And he shoots Leland. And I remember like Cole's reaction was nothing happened. I don't understand. I didn't change anything. Like, like he thought his mission was going to be so easy where all he had to do was shoot this one person and he would save the whole planet. Like it was a very, it was a very naive perspective to have on causality mm-hmm. and like to see Cassie almost operating in the exact same mindset. Oh, I'm going to kill Jennifer Goins and the plague is going to stop. Like it kind of makes me wonder if that, if that mindset comes from their time spent in 2044, just in terms of, they've been taught everything has to be black and white. Like there's the safe people who are inside the compound and then the unsafe people who are outside in the world. And so for Cassie to step right back into Cole's shoes, I thought was interesting. And I I loved how, you know, they were in that Mexican standoff with, you know, (laughs) Cassie had her gun and then Cole had his gun and Ramsey was like, ah, this again. Like he, he recognized that they were falling into this same pattern and like for me I really love Ramsey like I don't ever think of him as Ethan Secchi like that's just not who he is like I just adore him and you know the actor who plays him Kirk Acevedo I think is amazing so for Cassie to look at Ramsey and be like ugh like what are you doing here like you tried to kill us I have to keep reminding myself that she has a reason to hate him Mm -hmm. and it was so interesting how like Cole like Cole decided to talk Jennifer down and that Cole really is the only person who could talk her down because she, like, she has a really like soft spot in her heart for him. No, it's, it was funny because Cassie's look of shock when she saw Ramsey was just, it was, it was just so fitting for that moment in time. You know, she was like, you know, she thought uh, it'd be easy as coming back shooting Jennifer. Oh no, I got to deal with Cole. Oh, wait a second. Here's this other guy that I hate that is alive. Wait a second. He's working with Cole. What's going on in 2016? Um, now, uh, I was, uh, on the scene in her Twitter, uh, the, the premiere night. And I, I posed the question. I said, do you think Cassie would shoot Cole to get to Jennifer? And, and 73% of the vote said no. Uh, and, but we had 27% who said yes. Um, and we had some pretty funny responses too. Um, at sleepless, uh, Mira said, no, I don't, but I think she'd come close. Um, let's see here at pirate Barbie said, uh, nope, the writers can't kill the stars. Smiley face. Um, at Lil mama Q spice, uh, said Cassie won't shoot Cole. She can't. 
and um, she actually added on. Actually, no, she didn't add on. Um, oh, and the last one was at ten. Morg said, "She better not, dude." Cole ca- Cole taught her how to shoot. That would be horrible. Oh my gosh, could you imagine that? He taught her how to shoot, and then she ends up shooting him. And and oh, talk about a paradox. <laughs> the circle is complete. <laughs> no kidding, it really is. Um, but uh, following that, you know, uh, you know. Like you said, they were able to talk Jennifer off the, the ledge, and, and she got the uh, Cole got the virus back, and then they immediately go to the airplane hangar and and light everything on fire, which creates um, a, t- a, a a shift in the timeline as they explain it to us. And we, but but it, not everything has changed. Uh, things have things have changed in 2044. There uh, are there are some minor differences, but everyone's still in place. The core people, you know. Uh, Katarina is still, you know, is still where she is uh, with uh, new people that were there that had died. Um, uh, you know, Cole, Cassie, uh, and Ramsey and Jennifer were all still in the same place. So nothing changed with their futures and their timelines. Um, what did you think of, of how that all, you know, that should have been like a huge altering thing, right? I mean, this is the virus they were trying to find for the last season in the last two episodes, they, they finally found it. It's lit on fire, but nothing changed. What, what did you think about that particular moment? Everything about that was so unexpected. Like, I did not expect that in this episode tonight that, boom, the plague is gone. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I mean, don't we have a whole, like, season to fill out here? <laughs> I was really, really surprised that, they torched the virus so soon and it was it was rad watching time change i think especially mm-hmm. for for katarina for jones in the future because they did that kind of fast motion where like time was moving around her and you could see all the people like in and out of the compound i thought that was really cool just visually to watch that happen and yeah, then that was oh go ahead sorry just just the whole idea that they did it like they did what they set out to do and yet they still couldn't fix everything. Yeah, it's it's it, it goes to prove that even if she had killed Jennifer, nothing would have changed. It would have been exactly like the pilot episode where he kills Leland and nothing changed. And he's like, what's going on here? Because that's the exact same look she had when she, when they put the uh, the virus up in, in smoke. Um, you know, now we have uh, Cassie sending Ramsey back to 2044. And, you know, Cole's, like, freaking out. He's like, what are you doing? They're going to kill him. And she's like, no, 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 they're not going to kill him. We're going to find out what he knows first, and then we're going to kill him. You know, because that, that's supposed to apparently make him feel better. Um, but, you know, but but it goes to show, too, the level of, of uh, or how much Cassie's character has grown. And, and not necessarily an evil way, but just more of, you know, and she says it, she says it, uh, she said it many times, you know, sticking to the mission um, you know, and, and that's where she is right now. She's sticking to her mission, and her mission was to also to bring back Ramsey. Uh, and then, you know, she sends she sends Ramsey back, and he's uh, immediately taken into custody. And you know, they they start interrogating interrogating him, and we have a, a pretty interesting moment with him and Deacon, which I thought was really handled well, especially by Kirk Acevedo, where he has that moment where he gets under Deacon's skin and talks about him as a kid and, and witnessing his 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 unfortunate childhood. What did you think of, of how that played out and, and how, uh, how, uh, Ramsey was really able to, uh, just pull the strings on, uh, Deacon. 
that scene was incredible. That might be one of my favorite Ramsey scenes of the series so far. I mean, I love, I mean, like, like I'm just going to take a moment just to, like, give <laughs> mad props to Kirk. Because, like, he, as an actor, he has so much, like, swagger and attitude in the way that he carries himself. Like, I really loved him in the um, Mark Wahlberg film Invincible. I don't know if you've seen that. Yes, yes. Like, he just, he just embodies a character so well and so like he's being waterboarded and like half drowned and like when he gets pulled out of the water he's like kind of like sitting back in his chair he's kind of like postured you know like his like his legs are kind of open and and he i love when he's like deke i'm getting kind of thirsty <laughs> like like just baiting him huh yeah like he like he does not care about his own life like he is not afraid to like suffer in any way shape or form i mean he already has i mean he got the mm -hmm. crap kicked out of him in that prison for like what 15 20 years so like he's been conditioned to deal with bullies people like deacon and that's what that scene reminded me of like in the prison in season one, he knew that he couldn't physically outsmart those guys. And he was like reading the art of war and the Sanzu book. And it was something like, like a way to bring down an enemy is to have another enemy do it. I forget what the quote was. And so like he learned what was it Japanese and like all the other people like converged on the bully. I feel like that's kind of what he did in that moment with Deacon. Deacon is like bullying him and wailing on him, but like he had a card up his sleeve, which was, I went to your house when you were a child. And like, you can see Deacon's face just start to melt. And like, psychologically, like he was starting to regress to that moment when he was a child. And the fact that he called, like the fact that Ramsey called the cops to like save him and save his mom is like another moment of where mercy made a difference. And I feel like that theme is really starting to like come to the surface in terms of like the choices that people are making. And like when like Deacon, when he was outside with like Cassandra, like he collapsed on the ground and like she was like holding him. Like, I think that's probably Todd Stashwick's like best moment of the series so far like i loved everything about that scene yeah that was very emotional it was, it was just powerful because of the family element um and and how it can have an effect on somebody who can even be the toughest and hardest person um you bring back their their childhood or something that some traumatic event in their life and it just affects them um on a level that you may not have known they had um, and I just want to say that um, putting, um, you know, you talked about swag and how Kirk Acevedo just, you know, he uses it. Um, I just want to put it, put this out there. Casting him uh, in a team up with Wentworth Miller wouldn't be a terrible idea. I just want to put that out, want to put that out there. Cap um, <laughs> Cap Captain Cold and Ramsey having like a glare off would be incredible. <laughs> I'm just saying, wouldn't it be a bad idea at all. Um, those guys just—they ooze swag. So yeah, let's just let's just put that out there. Um, uh, now, while that's happening, we have Cassie uh, sending or keeping Cole in 2016 with Jennifer. And what's interesting about that is we're we're kind of getting to see a little bit more of Jennifer and and Cole and their relationship and and you know, Jennifer's voices in her head are becoming much more stronger. Uh, 
you know, she's constantly having visions of the woman that's manipulated her. I forget her name again. What was it, Lauren? You know, I'm really good with names, and her name just, poof, it just, it escapes me. Olivia. Okay. It's Olivia. Olivia, Olivia, thank you. Yeah. Uh, that's my bad. I completely forgot, too. Um, but, uh, you know, she, her, you know, you see, you hear her voice in Jennifer's head. And like I said, it's becoming stronger and stronger. And, and, you know, they're driving in the, there's one point when she tells Cole to stop, she screams at him, stop. And, you know, they stay at this particular hotel and, and she, she hears the number 607 in this particular, uh, hotel room. We don't know the significance of the yet. Why is it 607? What's going on with that? Um, what did you think of, of how that was happening with jennifer i mean you know we just saw her get talked down but now it's almost like something's affecting her even more uh that's causing her to act in a very an even more eccentric way yeah the scenes with jennifer are incredible and i i loved the moments that that she and cole got to have in that hotel together and i love i love how much her craziness doesn't affect cole at all like he accepts jennifer like purely for who she is and he always has and on it i think that's why she loves him i mean i think that's why she calls him otter eyes like there's a purity in cole where he doesn't judge anybody like cassandra is like oh my god jennifer goines is like totes crazy <laughs> but like for cole i don't know like he really i think he sees past all of that in her and so the whole exchange they had and the hotel in this episode was so powerful like one like Jennifer was being triggered um, about all the brainwashing that she had experienced when she saw the mirror. Cause I think it, the bathroom triggered the, like the bathtub memory when like Olivia was brushing her hair and she was like starting to recite all those mantras, like, you know, mothers become daughters and who, whatever the thing is. And like the, I forget what it's called. It's like the psychotic break where like, like she was okay with her decision to waste the virus and like in the moment she did it but now she's like dealing with the aftermath of not fulfilling her purpose and so for her that's like the worst thing that could ever like could ever happen to her and so like she breaks the mirror and then later like she cuts her arm like like for her life is over and i think it's a really interesting picture at people who deal with mental illness and who deal with suicide because you feel like you have nothing left to accomplish and i love that cole was able to like remind her like no you have a purpose outside of whatever the 12 monkeys tried to make like turn you into i thought that whole scene was incredible and what's really cool about that scene too is um you know, it leads it. It really leads to what happens with Katarina um, in twenty forty four and her uh, run in with the daughters, which is run by uh, Jennifer Goins. Um, you know, and then we have that connection of uh, you know they they wonder where where's Cole? Why isn't he here? And they you know she explains you know we left him there. You know it's you know they're they're still mad at him for keeping Ramsey alive, but they're like you know no you have to the end of the day to bring him back. And we learn because Cole had mercy on Jennifer, you know, it's, it's, again, we see it's, it's another, uh, it's, it's another part of, of Cole's maturity as a, as a character and, and, and in this, in, in his, uh, what he's doing in his mission of not killing Jennifer and just letting her go and just saying, Hey, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to have your life ruined and, and run by the 12 monkeys. Uh, and so that debt is repaid when they tell Katarina to bring him back 
2044. What did you think of, of, of that dynamic and, and how, you know, maybe Cole and Jennifer's relationship might be much more stronger than what we see it? I agree. I think it is stronger. And, you know, like for anybody who likes shipping characters on television shows, like season one, I was a hardcore Cole and Cassie shipper. Like I loved when they got to dance together and, you know, I was kind of hoping that when he splintered her, like he would kiss her. Although I don't think that happened. Um, (laughs) But now like I am all aboard like Cole and Jennifer's ship because I feel like they have such a pure, they just have such a pure respect and admiration for each other. And I, you know, Jennifer, her, she has an amazing memory and she remembers numbers. And so she remembered the date that it was. I think it was like August 19th. 2016 something like that and so all she had I mean all she had to do was wait like 40 years um like but she remembered okay when I get to this time 2044 Cole is going to be helping me in that hotel room like she understands that time is happening all at once like she knows that it wasn't just like 40 years ago for her she knows that it's happening right now like Cole is Cole is essentially saving my life again in that hotel room. So, like, the least that I can do is convince Katarina to bring him back. And, like, it just it goes back to that whole idea that, like, time is circular and not linear. And, like, Jennifer knows that. And so she was able to, like, use her understanding of time to rescue him, which was powerful because he rescued her twice. I completely agree with you. So... Once that was so, once it's successful bringing um, Cole back to twenty forty four, and by the way, it's it's uh, Cassie who is set to bring him back. Um, Katarina explains how uh, by lighting the virus on fire, they completely made a whole well, not a whole new timeline, but they did alter things. But they just pushed the plague back just a couple years. Um, oh, and by the way, uh, Katarina has a boyfriend. Um, uh, what do you think of that, Lauren? Did you? Do you like that they've kind of thrown that dynamic in there of uh, of Katarina having a boyfriend now? Because, you know, we're so used to seeing her, you know, you know, take charge and be the lead and, and really not answer to anybody or have any kind of um, any kind of other personal conflict going on. But this might kind of throw a wrench in that uh, the rest of the way, um, especially if, if nothing's altered uh, that bring that takes him away. What did you what did you think of that? Uh, new edition. He was such a surprise. I, I loved and He was like, well, that'll make it awkward when you come to bed tonight. I was like, whoa, Jones, you got a hookup in 2044 that you did not know about. Yeah. Um, I think he's going to be a really sweet character. And I think um, it's going to show us the side of Jones that we've not necessarily seen before. Especially because Jones doesn't love anyone in her life. And she loved Hannah, but Hannah died. So, like, she's never... I mean, it's just, I think it'll help ground her a little bit and, like, soften her a little bit. And, like, yeah, I'm I'm interested to see, uh, like, the role that his character is going to play in the show. Because, obviously, it was a deliberate decision for the writers to bring in somebody new who wasn't there before. And so I'm curious as to see, like, why they decided to write him in. Yeah, that's going to be very interesting. Like I said, it's it's uh, it's something that's different and new, especially with, with such a strong character like Katarina. I'm really interested to see how they tackle that uh, the rest of the way. Um, you know, and like I was saying, you know, so Cole's back, of course, not before they put him uh, in a cell right next to Ramsey. 
uh, and Ramsey kind of gives him the rundown of what's been going on with him and, and how, you know, he had a, a, a nice little moment with his uh, son, well, for like a brief second, when uh, Cassie kind of teased, teased him, right? Wasn't she like, didn't she have him like right outside the cell? And, 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 uh, but only to take him away? Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, and, and, and he, I almost, like, I can't remember, but I think Cassie had, like, a grin on her face. Almost kind of evilish, uh, taunting Ramsey, which I thought was, like, I mean, you know, like I said earlier, like, I don't think she's fully evil, but she is taking certain necessary steps to get her mission done. Um, but following, you know, that exchange between Cole and Ramsey, we have uh, Cole go to uh, talk with Katarina, and that's where she explains um, how everything's changed. But, you know, he, he's quick to remind her, you know, there's, there's still people that have died. We can't, you know, there's no reason to get excited that, that, you know, we've done, we did eliminate the virus, but there's obviously something more at play here because we're still all the same. No, you know, nothing is perfect. We're, we're still all in 2044. It's still this post-apocalyptic future. Um, and, you know, there's, it's, it's just not as, it's just not black and white. It's not as easy as that goes. And then, you know, from there we have, uh, Cole have his conversation with with uh, with Cassandra where, like I said earlier, they they do kind of become they kind of uh, form this brief truce because their next mission um, is to go to 1944 and find out what happened because um, something I actually missed was uh, when Jennifer and Cole were in the hotel they get moved to room 607 and that's where Cole finds a picture of him and and Cassie. Like in in nineteen what was it um nineteen forty four uh, at a party so we know there that we know that they are they have somehow for some reason splintered back to nineteen forty four but we don't know why we don't know um what it what it means um Lorna what did you think of 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 that plan and what do you think of Cassie and Cole forming this kind of brief truce I really liked the whole six oh seven concept I liked I mean I I think the Emerson Hotel is the same hotel that um, Bruce Willis and Madeline Stowe go to in the movie. So I think there was like a nice tie in there. And it was cool how Jennifer was like, no, it needs to be 607. It needs to be. And like for people just to look at her and be like, why? Like, it doesn't matter what room we're in, but no, really it did need to be 607 because in a, like in the future at some point, Cole is going to go back to time and obviously he's going to prepay for this room and I thought it was really cool to see it look exactly how it would have looked in the 40s and how like the bellman or the concierge was like is that guy your grandfather because you look just like him (laughs) I thought that was a that was a cool touch and yeah for like for the truce you know it's heartbreaking because uh Cassie and Cole had such a sweet kind of innocent dynamic in season one and that's like that's totally gone like they're at odds now and I mean it's 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 like very like Captain America Civil War where like Cole chose to protect Ramsey who was his brother it's like the you know he's my friend so I (laughs) like that's what it reminds me of (laughs) you know like Cole's known Cassie for what a year but he's known Ramsey for like his whole life so of course he's going to pick Ramsey over Cassie it's it's heartbreaking to see their relationship kind of fall apart but I'm hopeful that like the season will continue to mend it as they move forward yeah it's um it's uh, that's what we hope hope for like you said like they had such a sweet uh you know connection in the first season and and you'd hate to see that 
not fixed at some point during the season. Um, now, uh, what do you think of them going back to 1944 and, and seeking out, uh, you know, um, how how that can affect the timeline? Um, what what are you what are you expecting for the the next episode as far as their uh, their time travel, which which is a period piece which I know you love. I do. I, anyone who knows me, who's listening, who knows I'm a like I'm a sucker for the '40s. It's my favorite era. You know, I love Agent Carter, and I, I love anything that happens in that time period. I think it's going to be fun. I mean, that's that's the fun of a time travel show is that you get to go to different times. And I feel like season one was very grounded in Cassie's timeline. Like any time they went back, it was usually like 2013, 2014, 2015. So there, like, there wasn't too many like the season one just wasn't about kind of like the legends of tomorrow style like hopping around and so like i'm excited to see like where they're gonna go this season in different time periods and you know the 40s the music is great the clothes are great you know i know that i'm assuming that it's just cassie and cole that go back you know because they have that photograph and you know cassie had the dress and she had the hair and I'm very excited to see, like, when they go back, what it's going to look like. But at this point, like, we don't even know why the messengers are there. Like, what do they have to do in in, uh, 1944? I think that is going to be really interesting because it's our first look at a threat that isn't the plague. It's the messengers. And I'm excited to see where they take that. Yeah, it's going to be uh I mean obviously that's going to have a, a they the messengers have a mission as well and and that's going to affect uh the timeline but we don't know how. I mean I mean that's the thing where we can we can really have fun with theories, you know, because originally it was thought that with the virus getting uh exterminated that everything would be fine and that's clearly not the case. Uh and there is something much larger looming in the background that we have not um, got a chance to see yet, and I'm sure over time we will see uh, a reveal as we go. Um, now, the episode is is titled Primaries, um, or Primary. Now, Jennifer refers to this uh, uh, quite a few times, especially when she's talking with, with Cole. Um, what is your take on the primary that she's referring to uh, and how it affects uh, the 12 Monkeys? Yeah, I think that's going to be an interesting concept moving forward. At this point, I have no idea what it means. I mean, you know, in season one, she would always say things like, it's not primary, it's not like one's or one is a primary number. But if there was like an even number, you know, she would say that's not primary. And at first it sounded kind of like, just like what you would expect somebody who had a mental illness. Like, like it's so easy to assume that they just have no idea what they're talking about and they have like kind of weird um obsessive compulsive like idiosyncrasies but i think there's a lot more going on in jennifer's mind than we can understand cuz she was right about 607 she was right about the emerson hotel like i think the season's really going to show us that she is right and that she isn't crazy and like the woman olivia would tell her and the world, like, stop the world, stop the voices. But, like, maybe Olivia didn't want Jennifer to know something about what the voices were telling her. And, yeah, I'm curious to see, like, what primary really means this season. Yeah, it's uh, it's very it's a very interesting, interesting theory to spiral because we, we really haven't gotten to see uh, 
what the primary how that refers or how it how it uh comes back to reference uh the 12 monkeys in in some way but i'm sure we're going to get it very soon because it's 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 certainly not it's not even just being teased it's it's something that's in our face uh, courtesy of jennifer so it's going to be interesting to see how they explore that and how it affects uh the 12 monkeys but um but yeah, I, I I dug tonight's episode. I thought it was really really good. Um, I, I it's it's so far I'm well. It's hard for me to gauge which season I like because obviously it's been two episodes in. But I can ser- definitely say that season two has definitely um, raised the stakes with especially with the with the shifts in the timeline and how we're kind of getting to see that happen. Um, I mean that's that's kind of the thing in in time travel movies and shows you don't totally get to see um well with the exception of back to the future where you see marty slowly disappearing at the uh at the um uh, i can't remember the 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 dance that he's at with his parents and trying to save trying to save his time oh, the, but... the enchantment under the sea dance yes thank you yes so so outside of that we you know usually when something changes when our characters go back to that particular time we just see that happen so it's kind. Of, it was kind of cool to see, you know, when Katarina was walking around, like everything, like people disappearing and reappearing, and and so that was really cool to watch because uh, twelve. That's and then that's what I mean with twelve monkeys raising the stakes of things because that makes things so much more interesting, and it also makes you wonder where they plan to go with shifting timelines, and also have they gone all in on completely altering timelines the rest of the way in some form or another. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm excited to see that. Uh, did you want to add anything else to that, Lauren? Yeah, I did. I wanted to share some feedback from a friend of mine. Her name is Joanna, and uh, she she does fan recaps for Twelve Monkeys on the Entertainment Weekly community. And you know, I know that she's really into the show. And so Monday night after the premiere aired, I just kind of messaged her and just like I wanted to hear her thoughts on the premiere and kind of what she thought about like the series moving forward. And so this is what Joanna said. Um, she said that her main questions and feeling revolve around all of the characters. I feel that was a very character-driven premiere, but only just the surface. We got all of these snapshots of where these characters are now, but how did they get there? Where are they going? And who can we trust? And I feel like that's a really good way to sum up the premiere and even what happened tonight. Like, we know that Cole is a different person and he's making different decisions. We know that Cassie is different and Ramsey is different. And like, what does that mean for the season moving forward? And uh, Joanna, thank you so much for, for sending in your feedback. Yeah. Thanks a lot. That was really cool. And, you know, be sure to tweet at us, let us know what you think and um, we'll give you a shout out on the show. All right. So that is going to do it for our show tonight. Uh, We hope you enjoyed Tonight's episode, as much as we did, uh, it was a lot of fun, and yeah, things are always looking up for this show. So, um, Lauren, why don't you let everyone know where they can find you? Yeah, you guys can find me on Twitter, at Lauren Galloway. I'm also a writer for comicbookresources.com. I'm also a contributor to the Flash podcast and the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, which right now we're recapping uh, both of those shows weekly, and you can find us at the Flash podcast on Twitter and the Legends podcast at Legends underscore podcast on Twitter as well. Awesome. Thanks for that, Lauren. Um, you can find me at Pacing Pete on Twitter. You can find this podcast uh, at Scene and Nerd on Twitter, as well as our main show, which covers a variety of television shows. So, 
Make sure you subscribe so you can follow along as we do this every Monday night. Uh, we'll be posting Twitter, Facebook, uh, our, our regular iTunes feed. It will be all up for you to listen and take in as we try to help you get through uh, what you just saw. So it should be a lot of fun. So till next week, um, have a good evening. This has been a production of the GWW Radio Network. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Also, check out Geeks Worldwide at the GWW.com for all the latest news, reviews, and opinions on video games, comics, movies, TV, cosplay, and more. Geeks Assemble!